Great. We're started. We are started. Um, let me just make sure. Yes, we are started. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ooh. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Lisa. How are you? Oh, I'm great. I'm really good. Good. Well, I am excited to be doing propaganda with you. And um, if listeners can't tell that obviously this is a very special episode. So special. Why are we talking to each other? Lisa, this is Lisa Factor Borchers. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I should have introduced myself. I'm Lisa Factor Borchers and I'm the editorial director at Bitch Media. And why are you calling me up on the phone? I'm calling you up on the phone, and I want to have this uh, conversation to mark this very special episode of Propaganda, because this is the last episode of Propaganda that you'll be hosting, because you are, yes, yes, and I think you should detail all of the amazing things that you are going to be doing instead. Well, I'm really sad to say, but yeah, it's a very bittersweet goodbye. I'm going to stop hosting Propaganda um, after four years of hosting the show. And I'm going to do some other new things. I have a lot that I'm excited about. I just want to do a bunch of new projects with my life, and I don't have time to do them and propaganda all at the same time. So right now, my main job is I'm working for a website that publishes comics, original political comics called The Nib, and I'm working there as a story editor. But this fall, I'm pitching a whole bunch of projects, at least one of which I hope will get picked up. I'm pitching a book, a graphic novel, um, and applying for a couple arts grants to be um, to do art that's focused on history and political engagement. So I'm hoping to sort of take my career in that direction, as well as potentially in the future, pitch a new podcast and start working on a different kind of podcast. But that's all in the works. There's nothing for sure right now. That is awesome. And that sounds so exciting. Um, and for those who might be worrying of like, what's going to happen to propaganda? Um, Don't worry, propaganda will continue. um, And we will have new episodes beginning in January of 2018. So I think the I think what I'm wondering, Sarah, is talk, I would love to know more about how what was it like being the host of propaganda for all the years that you've been doing it? (laughs) Um, That's so sweet. Um, you know, I've I've really loved hosting propaganda. It's been really special for me. Um, and also just making radio feels magical to me. You know, like it feels it still feels magical to like record uh, my voice and then hear my voice like playing out of somebody else's computer months later with editing added in with music added in. It just sounds so cool to me. And I've really felt that I've really become convinced after making propaganda that like, People connect with stories that are told out loud in a really special and unique way. You know, before doing this podcast, I mostly just wrote for print and online in text. And doing the podcast made me realize how we connect with with stories that are told aloud so much differently and so much deeper. I feel like it's cool that you can actually hear the actual voices of the actual people who are doing these things, who are making this art or doing this activism. It feels to me like... I'm much more connected to them when I can actually hear their voices versus just reading quotes from them on a page. So I've really come to believe that 
Like podcasts are a way that can make people feel really intimately connected with people who are all over the world because instead they're living right in, you know, your headphones. They're right inside your brain. Mm, That's so awesome. I love that. I love that kind of analysis and perspective about the magic of radio, just really the magic of storytelling, mm-hmm. you know, and the way that podcasts bring that to life. That's, yeah, you summed it up perfectly. Um, and how long have you been doing propaganda for those new listeners or if people are just coming to Bitch Media and the propaganda now? <laughs> I'd be sad if this is somebody's first episode. <laughs> like, welcome. <laughs> Goodbye forever. Uh, I've been hosting the show since uh, April 2013. So it's been coming out every two weeks for about four years, which often feels like a bit of a grind. As soon as I finish one episode, I'm already behind on the next episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, but I've been proud. You know, whenever we did surveys of listeners over that time, pretty much the only major feedback was that they wanted more episodes. So I felt like a real obligation to keep making that media, to keep making episodes because people listen to them. And like the, we got lots of like notes from listeners and emails from listeners over that time. And the ones that really stuck with me are people saying like, this podcast got me through my work day, or this podcast got me through sitting at the hospital while my mom was in surgery, or this podcast got me through driving across the country to a new job. And it's just really cool to feel about like, to think about like, the role that a podcast that I've made can play in somebody else's life and how it can have a special role in their life. So, you know, it's been it's been every two weeks, and it's been pretty tough. But I think it really matters to people. And it feels really special to people. Oh, my gosh, that's so beautiful. Like, just thinking about Oh, you just said like how the voice, you know, coming across, you know, in in storytelling and literally your voice being preserved in a way and being present for people um, who could be in a variety of situations. Um, They could be in their car, they could just be looking to pass time or they could be, you know, going through something difficult or something that they need a distraction from. That's so great. um, Yeah. And, you know, I do that with other podcasts when I'm I have places where I'm, when I'm walking around, I remember the stories I was listening to when I was walking around there. You know, there's mm-hmm. forever like, oh, I remember walking across this bridge and listening to that one story on the heart. And that uh, that story is forever connected to that place for me. So I think mm-hmm. people really like have a sensory integration experience with podcasts, at least I do, where the, sto- the what they're listening to and the place where they are and what they're feeling at that time becomes really kind of like melded together. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, One thing that I was wondering about is I love the point that you're making around how listeners and readers, you know, kind of have this sensory experience um, and a story or a narration is fused to a particular place. I'm wondering if you experienced that, you know, as you were hosting Propaganda, was there a particular show or person that you interviewed that really stands out that really made a lasting impression on you? I've, I feel super honored to have gotten the opportunity to interview so many different people on propaganda. There's like, everyone feels really special. And propaganda really, for me, has been like an excuse to call up people I'm curious about. <laughs> just get to <laughs> just get to talk to them and get to get to ask them any questions I'm interested in. Um, so that's been really special for me. There's a lot of people on on the episode that I put together right after the election. Um, mm. It's called 
10 Ways to Resist Donald Trump. And that was an episode that I put together in the, the 10 days right after the election. And I was a mess. You know, I felt like I think we we're all a mess, right? <laughs> I, yeah, I felt like I had the flu. I was like crying at work every day. Yeah. And like, I think I cried during every single one of the interviews that I did oh, for that episode. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Which were with, but they were with these really astounding people who at the time, like gave me hope of like, okay, well, these really smart, creative people are like, are working on these issues. Like, Mm-hmm. we're we're going to get through this together. We're going to help each other out here together. I think one of the most powerful people on that episode is Renee Bracey Sherman, who runs, who helps run the National Network of Abortion Funds. Mm-hmm. Um, she does all kinds of different creative work and projects, but you can just hear on that show. And I could hear when I was interviewing her that she was like, that this was like not okay. You know, I think a lot of people after the election were saying like, you know what, like, let's just wait and see, like, like, it'll be fine. Like, it's just really like, this is this is how politics happens in the United States. And she, she her voice on that episode really stood out to me as like she is fiery and she is mad and she is going to fight and fight to keep abortion accessible regardless of your zip code or how much money you have. And she was I think the first person who really made me feel like okay, we're going to we're going to fight this. And if she's fighting for our rights like I don't feel full of despair. Hmm. I think that that's amazing company to have in such a dark time. (laughs) I I really do. I mean, that's such a gift. I mean, I think after the election, so many people felt isolated and alone and just really hopeless. So even though that's a really hard image to think of like, you know, prepping for propaganda and crying, but you know, (laughs) all the time, (laughs) (laughs) but that, you know, you were, you know, what an amazing, opportunity to to get to know like all these different activists and people you know and 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 be uplifted in that particular way yeah and I think that's been the most powerful part of the show actually is just to show that like we exist and we're out here and we're working you know I think if you turn on the tv the people who are defining what it means to be an American that you see on most in most media are like white centrist dudes and there's (laughs) millions of really inspiring, super creative, super innovative Americans who are out there working to change things, even when it seems like change is impossible. And that's what keeps giving me hope. Like every two weeks on the show, trying to find those people who are both who are inspiring, but not in like a, like saccharine, sweet, like feel good, squishy kind of way, but inspiring because they're up against such hard odds and they're finding such creative and innovative responses to that. I think, I think, you know, it's helped show the shows for me, the show has been about showing how many contrasts there are in our country, you know, that at the one hand we're so unequal and there's massive, our, our country is built on a system of exploitation and it doesn't look like that system's going away anytime soon. But at the same time, there's so many people out there who are working in their communities and really, really devoted to making things more equal, even when the path forward isn't clear at all. Mm-hmm. And those are the people who I've loved getting the chance to seek out and talk to and highlight and support and to say, look, like we define what it means to be who we are, not these talking heads on TV. Yeah. And that kind of, that's that kind of texturizing of, 
you know, who we are, you know, to, to use your words, you know, who are we and to not buy into the fact that, you know, everything is dark, everything is hopeless. I think that's a, a real gift um, that the podcast has been able to give people is all of these stories, all of these different instances and illustrations of not all is lost, mm-hmm. you know, and um, I think that's a really important point, um, a really important point to make and to remember about the power of not just propaganda, but of storytelling, of, yeah. of podcasting. That's such a beautiful way to put it. Um, another question I have is you're thinking back, um, who is someone that you interviewed, um, if you could, or if somehow you could rewind time and have like a follow-up question, or mm. if there is something that, well, is there anything that felt slightly unresolved or something you wish you could press into a little bit more or just revisit or just, you know, have a follow-up question? Well, a couple of years ago, I think this was this was over a year ago, I put together an episode called Bathroom Panic about um, like transphobic bathroom bill laws. Um, and for that episode, I interviewed the ACLU attorney Chase Strangio, who has now become the attorney for Chelsea Manning and was like working on getting Chelsea Manning out of jail, wow, um, out of prison. And now I'm like, Wait, can I go back and ask about the Chelsea Manning case? Like, <laughs> we were talking about bathroom bills, but like, I didn't. I was not. I was like not in the loop on um, Chase being Chelsea's attorney at that time. Um, oh, wow. So I would love to. So now I'm like, oh man, I want to talk about that. I'd love to follow up on that case. Chase mm-hmm. is, I think, one of like the ab- most absolutely most brilliant people I've ever interviewed, um, and I would. I would love to talk to him about the Chelsea Manning case. Oh, wow. Who knows if I'll ever get that chance now? You never know. You never (laughs) never know. know. You never know how the paths will cross in the future. Um, Was there ever a least favorite interview question that you always had to ask or something that felt (laughs) particularly difficult about uh, putting interviews together? Everything is difficult. (laughs) (laughs) Everything's hard. Um, So if you're listening, really wanting to get into podcasting, just (laughs) make sure you're training and getting your muscles ready for the difficulties of podcasting. I mean, this is kind of like a logistical thing, but just to think about it, it was always a real struggle to get to get good audio. The people who I was interviewing are often people who aren't interviewed that often. They're like activists or political organizer people who are often more like behind the scenes and are often kind of uncomfortable being the person who's like in the spotlight talking about this issue. Mm-hmm. And uh, so for that reason, they were often like in some weird place when I was interviewing them, like, you know, their nonprofits like Media Lab with like with like high schoolers running in and out and dogs barking. Or, you know, at their cousin's house on the back porch and there's like all these birds singing in the back and you can hear it or they're in their tiny crappy New York apartment and suddenly someone's jackhammering into the wall outside and so (laughs) for me the biggest challenge uh was often like can you find a small quiet place with working wi-fi to talk to me (laughs) and have and have both of our computers working have all the tech pan out Mm -hmm. um i would love to someday work for like 
a radio station where they have like a studio and you invite the guest into your studio instead of being like, hey, hey I'm calling from a basement and <laughs> find Wi-Fi somehow, find a working computer, find silence. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, I know that I was, you know, you and I were going back and forth about the things that you need before you, you know, record. And one of the things that you wrote, you know, make sure that there, you know, aren't, you know, back noise or like children. I was like, oh, my gosh. So I had to tell my kids, like, do not come into this room <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> when we are talking. If you hear me talking, um, do not come in and start screaming. But I think that's also, you know, symbolic, too, of like how um, – how engaged, you know, the, the, the life of activists, um, are, you know, it like literally being in, you know, the throes and being in, um, the sites of where things are noisy, things are inconvenient and uncomfortable and it's hard to get Wi-Fi. It's hard to find silence. It's hard to find technology. It's hard to find all those things. And, um, I can imagine on the technological side, it would be difficult, but I think that also adds a bit of like, you know, realism, I think to, to the experience and to, you know, how it sounds. It's, it's hard to hear um, yeah. from people who are working, you know, in the trenches and doing that work. Yeah, it is often like I've had people say, oh, I can do this interview over the phone as I'm driving to court or <laughs> I, can, I can squeeze this in for the 20 minutes while I'm waiting for my kids to be picked up at daycare, you know, yeah. that, that kind of thing. And then on my end too, like I'm not I'm not a human with a reliable schedule. So I've done interviews when I've been in all sorts of weird places where I just hope nobody can can hear over the line that I'm actually the only room I could find with a door was like the bathroom of the friend's apartment I'm staying in. Or (laughs) (laughs) I did like an interview once where I was I was moving that day and I was using um, like a smart car to move because it was Uh the car I could borrow. And so... (laughs) Those really small ones. Those really, really small ones. You know, a little smart car. And so I had a smart car full of all of my possessions. And I'm sitting in the driver's seat and like pulled over on the side of the road and doing an interview there using my phone as a router to connect to Wi-Fi and interviewing somebody over Skype. Oh, my gosh. As I was doing it and like there was like a lamp, like a lamp, like poking me in the head. And it was like (laughs) getting increasingly claustrophobic. And I was like. It would be really nice to have like a studio. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. That is such a funny image, Um, which kind of like, you might've answered my next question then. Was that the weirdest experience you had in the field of journalism and podcast journalism? Oh no, no. (laughs) (laughs) There's more. (laughs) I've had a lot of weird experiences. I think the one that probably is the most attention grabbing is just for an episode a couple episodes ago, the Beach Bodies episode, I went up to the naked beach here in Portland and interviewed people who were nude or semi nude on the beach. And let me just tell you, like walking down the beach, like wearing clothes, holding a microphone, <laughs> going up to strangers and being like, Hey, I know you're naked on the beach right now, but do you want to talk to me about body image? Was uh was kind of terrifying (laughs) I was like I was like I have to make myself do this because I think it's interesting and then it was so funny like one of the women I wound up talking to in that episode like had published a book of photographs of breasts she's like I'm a photographer I take photos of breasts 
and my book is called The Holy Booble. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I just lost it. I was like, I can't believe like the person I randomly came up to on the beach <laughs> has written a book called The Holy Booble. What a find. <laughs> you know, you can't make that up. You can't. Oh, my gosh. That's perfect and awesome. Um, and I have to go look for that book now. Um, oh, my gosh. The Holy Booble. The I'm holy never going to forget. I'm never going to forget that. It's such a good name. <laughs> um, I there 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 has to be i mean over the course of 4 years so many different ways that stories stay with you and i don't want to use the word favorite but for lack of a better word um was there a particular favorite topic or a place um or person that you featured on propaganda that um just kind of rises above the others well, you know, I feel really good about the episode that's called Where Abortion is Illegal. That's a story about Chile and abortion law in Chile. And I recorded mm -hmm. that when I was actually in Chile and um, I was interested in their abortion laws because for me it feels like potentially a glimpse into the future of the United States. It's a country where abortion is entirely illegal. Um, until this last month in August, it was legalized in the cases, in three cases, in case of rape or fetal inviability or threat to the life of the mother. But when I was there, it was entirely illegal. And just seeing how that plays out in the country and in the lives um, of everybody there. And it felt really special and powerful to go and interview like Chilean activists who were working on this and that they were up for talking to me in part because they felt it was really, really, they really wanted like people in the United States to hear their story. Like they were like, you know, we, we talk about U.S. politics and pop culture all the time. You guys never think about us. Hmm. And so for me, it felt really like, like special and powerful to say like, okay, I'm going to record your story and we're going to play it. And thousands of people in the United States are going to hear it. And also that they were up for talking to me because it was a podcast, because they didn't have to get their photo taken or be on video, which could be potentially um, like dangerous for them. You know, they're activists who are working on abortion access there get threats all the time. They don't publish their addresses, even of the like abortion hotline, because they're worried about violence. And so for them, talking over audio was a safer way to discuss this issue than having to be in a video documentary or having to have their photo taken. So in some ways, while podcasts to me feel really intimate and feel really uh, close and like you're in somebody's head, on the other hand, there is a level of anonymity there because you're not mm -hmm. looking at the person's face. You're not looking at, at a photo of them. And that can provide some, some security for people who feel like um, violence is a threat. That's amazing. I, I never thought of that from mm -hmm. the other end of, you know, that this particular medium would be a better medium of getting stories out of visibility because there's literally just audio. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That's an, an incredible point. I, I never thought of that. Oh, yeah. Um, how, this is a very random question that I had around the, <laughs> Shoot. around the show, but how did you choose the music for it? Oh, that's not random at all. Um, where like, a big goal of mine on the show was to have the interstitial music interstitials, the music like between different interviews and segments on the show. That's a real opportunity to highlight um, like female front of bands and musicians that 
would be covered by bitch in some other way anyway. And mm-hmm. so when I was really on the ball, uh, I would ask bands, like f- f- female fronted bands, if it was all right to use their music on the show. And then every episode highlighted a different band. And so I, I got, I nailed, I really nailed this for about 20 episodes. <laughs> and then other episodes, it takes a long time to kind of set it up and to get permission and to find a band that's the right fit for the right topic on the right show. But typically, I tried to be really intentional around is the music we're using from like a female front of band um, rather than just something random. Um, mm-hmm. Other times, if it wasn't a band that was a good fit or if I wasn't on the ball about getting permission from somebody far enough in advance to use their music on the show, um, there's this really great database of music you can use for soundtracks that's called Blue Dot Sessions. That's like, you know, that kind of like ethereal, melodic music you hear on all sorts of podcasts. Uh, mm-hmm. That's like playing behind when somebody's talking. Yes. <laughs> There's that, that's a database that's called Blue Dot Sessions where they have um, music you can use uh, if you get the rights to it for podcasts and for other soundtracks and stuff. So that's actually a pretty cool database I recommend to people when they're thinking of starting up episodes. Um, so my... My last question is this, um, given that you are, um, moving into so many different projects, um, and you have all of this experience in terms of, you know, um, publishing across platforms, you know, in digital and in print and, um, and now in podcast, do you have a preference? I know that you talked about the, particular strengths and the ways that podcast, you know, can tell stories that, that digital print can't. Um, but I'm just wondering, do you have, do you have a preference if you're going to, if you had to choose one? Okay. Can I choose two? (laughs) Which is, I love working in podcasts because like I was saying, I think it has a really particular power, uh, for telling narratives that really stick with people and for highlighting people's voices in a way that resonates in a way that print media and, and sort of prose storytelling just doesn't. Um, but I also really love telling stories in comics. And so mm. my, mm-hmm. like the other part of my work life is working in comics and writing and editing nonfiction comics. Mostly people always ask like, so do you write about they're like funny comics? And usually they're not funny. They're, <laughs> they're like, they're like serious. They're like, Serious topic. They're like serious comics about historical stuff, sort of explaining history and context behind issues. Um, so like I just finished editing a comic about the history of tasers and like police misconduct mm-hmm. around tasers. Another comic about the history of redlining and racial discrimination in housing in the United States. Um, and a, a comic that's a little bit more fun about the history of Wonder Woman and what she's represented as an icon over the years. Um, and I think that telling stories in comics is is a really special and powerful way to do it because it's a it's a visual story that you're telling and mm-hmm. people will read about topics that they won't necessarily seek out on their own you know in in the internet age our our news is so siloed people often only seek out news about stuff that that they know they're interested in or listen to voices that they already know so it becomes pretty siloed but people will read comics all across the board about stuff that they might never uh think to read about on their own. So for example, the comic about the history of redlining and housing discrimination, like, like, a lot of people who won't pick up a big, dense history book about the history of redlining or go to a museum exhibition about redlining 
will click on a comic and be and be drawn into this visual story about it. And I think that because it's drawn, it helps humanize that story a bit. You get to see what people look like. You get to see how they stand. You get to see actual places and say, oh, that's an actual place. And that's that's what I'm most interested in, both with podcasts and with comics, is making a story feel real to people, making this narrative be like, oh, this is happening to real people in a real place that I should care about, even if I don't know them personally. So I think both comics and podcasts are great for, for humanizing our news. And that's what I'm interested in, in focusing my work on. Oh, that's awesome. That is so awesome, Sarah. Uh, <laughs> it's just it's such a beautiful answer. I'm just like swept away by it. I'm just like, You're so is, sweet. No, just like the, 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 the devotion you have to, to storytelling and the power of it, you know, the, the power and the magic of it. And I think there's something, there's just something very, um, even though podcasting is obviously, you know, this new technology, well, new-ish technology, but um, it, it brings back this like sense of nostalgia, you know, of just like the radio and, you know, it, it, it's not a pastime. It's still like a current time. It's a current it's, time. It, it's, <laughs> a, it's a current time. It's not a pastime. Um, yeah. I, and I just, I think that like, I'm relatively new to podcasts um, and I've just slowly been getting into, um, you know, all of this, all the different all the different podcasts there are out there. There's just, there's so many. Um, and I just, I think that your commitment to a particular kind of storytelling is, is just really, really moving. Oh, so that's okay. That's... Well, I've, I always find the podcasts help me feel less lonely and more connected to the world. Like I think most people, myself included, listen to podcasts on our own, like in our headphones. It's a time to like do something in our own space, but it's also a way of connecting with other people. So for mm-hmm. me, when I listen to a podcast, which is often like when I'm alone at my house or like walking by myself to the grocery store or like preparing dinner alone to eat it alone, is <laughs> 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 when I do my prime podcast listening. And uh, in those times, the stories that I hear and the voices that I hear and the people that I hear really make me feel like, like, oh, I'm like, I'm, I'm connecting with somebody. I'm part of a community, even though I'm here by myself with my headphones on. Well, what's really funny as you're talking is I listen to Propaganda, obviously, and Backtalk, our Bitch Media's other um, podcast. But I listen to it for completely different reasons because I always want to be alone. Um, I'm a parent and I have two small children who are always with me um, if I'm not working. And so sometimes just listening to, you know, other narratives of of other adults, of activism, you know, they, they take me out of where I am and connect me to other people and other things and just other experiences that there's no way that I would hear or have um, if I tried to sit down on a couch and write or, or read. Um, and so it just, I, I just think that there's just a re- something that you're saying around like connecting to the voice is just really resonant, um, whether you're lonely or whether you're looking to be alone, um, that there's just, there, there's a home within podcasting to do that. I think that's a really amazing um, element of podcasting. Oh, that's sweet. Well, I really hope that it goes well with, with propaganda in the future, and I'm sure you'll figure out the best shape for it going forward. Yeah, I think that we are excited for you. We are 
great. Everyone at Bitch Media is excited for you and grateful for Aww. all of the years and time um, and work and labor that you have put into creating these stories into, you know, the what you were just talking about, the sound, the music, the editing, the research, the questions, the transcribing, you know, all of that. Um, I, I think it's great for consumers of podcasting and consumers of media to know of all of the hours of labor that go behind one particular thing that they consume. And um, we're obviously going to miss your voice in this particular um, pocket of bitch, but... Um, you are sounds like off to many, many great things, and oh, we wish you thanks. nothing but the best. That's really sweet. That's really, really nice to hear. Thanks for saying it. Sure. Thank you. 